Hello and welcome to a new edition of the Hindu Parley podcast. Your host for today, my name is Vargis K. George. This week we will be discussing the delimitation that will be coming up anytime after 2026. So we shall discuss why delimitation was put on hold since 1971, why uh, 2026 is important, uh, what are the imbalances in representation, political representation that currently exist and uh, why those imbalances need correction. So when we are trying to correct those existing imbalances, what could be the new imbalances that might emerge uh, when new constituencies are delimited as per uh, latest population distribution? And how do we mitigate them? What are the regional variations in our demographic trends? In some places, the population is growing faster. In some places, it is growing slower. And there are also patterns of migration that we notice. People are moving from certain areas. Certain areas are uh, receiving migrants. Certain areas are sending migrants. So then there is also a question of representation that comes out of uh, these uh, migration patterns. Uh, people who are voters who are uh, constantly moving or uh, moving at all, uh, they, they they raise new challenges in terms of how their vote can be uh, recorded and counted. Uh, all these are questions that India will have to deal with as new changes, population uh, trends are emerging and getting noticed. And there will have to be policy responses uh, and administrative responses to, to all these challenges. So we have with us today, uh, Mr. O.P. Rawat, he is a former IAS officer and he served as the 22nd Chief Election Commissioner of India. He retired in 2018. Uh, along with him, we also have Professor Uday Shankar Mishra. He is Professor at the International Institute for Population Sciences in Mumbai. Thank you, Mr. Rawat and Professor Mishra for joining us. We are grateful that you could find time. So let me start with uh, Mr. Rawat. Uh, why did India as a country decide to hold back on delimitation of constituencies. I think the last time it happened was based on 1971 population. Why did we decide that it may not be the right time to have a nationwide delimitation of parliamentary constituencies? It was in 1976 after the uh, delimitation exercise was completed uh, based on 71 population data that it was decided uh, the, due to imbalances in the growth of population, northern states uh, growing faster and southern states managing uh, slower growth rates, that it was decided to freeze any delimitation or uh, uh, distribution of seeds to different states uh, based on uh, decennial population data, census data, uh, for 25 years. It was uh, constitution was amended that after 2000 only, what the census data uh, comes up, the delimitation will be taken up. Right. And in 2002, this delimitation was done uh, under the chairmanship of uh, Justice Kuldeep Singh. But even after that, it was felt that uh, this issue is still persists, and therefore, till the census data after 2026 being available there will be no delimitation mm -hmm. of parliament and state uh, assembly seats. 
and that will be uh, in fact 2031 census uh-huh. so there is still a lot of time because 2021 there has been no census uh-huh. and 2031 uh, is, is still 8 years uh, ahead uh-huh. and you know census operations are so uh, huge that data analysis etc takes about uh, one year uh, so 2032 Mm-hmm. uh as we see uh, the projections based on 2011 census data and 2021 extrapolated data mm-hmm. we still see that uh, northern states uh, like madhya pradesh rajasthan up bihar the decennial growth rates are uh, 15% or uh, on the lower side 12% whereas in southern states the decennial growth rates are uh, 10% to 6% okay. so uh, 2011 to 2021 there has not been that leveling which was presumed that after uh, 2026 this kind of leveling will take place so what happened in 2002 was there a delimitation which was done but was not implemented what actually happened it was implemented no but it did not the so, constituencies did not move from across state borders it did not move right yeah it did not move because they uh, they were directed so yeah so the the delimitation was done within individual state only it was there's not a nationwide redistribution of seats am i right no it was nationwide uh, delimitation hmm. but uh, actually it was not enhancing the number of seats or uh, reallocating the number of seats hmm. it was only redrawing the boundaries of the constituencies within each individual states right yes correct okay so but in in for delimitation to be fully uh, the wholesome delimitation will require or will involve uh, delimitation across a country which will mean uh, constituencies number of constituencies in areas of higher population density will increase whereas in areas where population density is lower the number of constituencies will come down that is not happened in in 2002 that is not happened well, in, right it, right it didn't right? happen yeah so yeah. that the current distribution of lok sabha seats are as it was delimited in 1976 it is not changed in yeah. the last uh, since 1976 am i right sir yeah yeah right right all right okay so yeah uh, so so i interrupted your thought so you saying so 20 so 2031 or 32 is the earliest that we could be looking yes. at this yes yes right and and another thing is that the number of seats mm-hmm. and other things are specified by the parliament in the delimitation act or delimitation commission act right uh, and whenever there was a states reorganization uh-huh. it was so specified in the reorganization act okay like uttarakhand came up the, the reorganization of up act that specified uh-huh. that uttarakhand instead of 22 seats will have 20 seats uh-huh. like that so uh-huh. those those things were specified by the parliament uh-huh. Uh-huh. and uh, i personally feel that whenever new next delimitation is taken up Mm-hmm. parliament will be deciding as to what will be the total number of lok sabha seats mm-hmm. what will be the total number of different states legislative assembly seats so there won't be 
much of problem on those uh, limits mm-hmm. but then distribution among the states mm-hmm. that will be decided by uh, the delimitation commission that will be appointed by under that act mm-hmm. and uh, what directions parliament gives to them mm-hmm. for uh, devising a formula for uh, reallocation okay so even while the constitutional requirement is that uh, the the representation will have to be proportionate to the population like every everybody each what should count the same and should have the same value uh, you think parliament uh, will still have the leeway to uh, sort of fine tune that requirement in order to ensure that uh, some in some areas lesser number of people will continue to elect uh, a parliament member fewer number of uh, people allowed to elect yeah. a parliament member Yeah, like uh, Meghalaya, Tripura, Manipur, they gave two seats. Even there was uh, not enough population. So those kind of arrangements, Lakshadweep has one seat for mm-hmm. just about sixty-eight thousand people. Mm-hmm. So those kind of uh, exceptional arrangements, mm-hmm. Parliament can always make. Mm-hmm. So that 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 op- that flexibility is there within the constitutional scheme of things as it stands today. but not uh, on uh, for all the major states uh, at last because there it has to be because uh, we adopted universal suffrage right uh, one one person one vote right. so that principle cannot be obliterated outright or for all the states right right the, so so before i come to you professor mishra my this is my first segment the last question for mr rawat so the some calculations suggest that northern states i mean if you uh, if you if you apportion the existing number of lok sabha seats according to the current levels of population northern states northern regional states will have at least 32 seats more than they currently have while southern states will have at least 24 seats fewer than they currently have so that scenario cannot be significantly altered by a parliamentary intervention parliamentary intervention to deal with these imbalances is only to deal with specific cases like isolated geographical areas or hill areas or special categories of uh, communities am i right another thing is that uh, parliament can specify that no state will lose number of seats like right. if kerala has got 20 it cannot go below 20 right that also they can prescribe right 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 so that will require proportionate allotment of uh, proportionate distribution across the country keeping in mind yes. the principle that every every vote counts the same yeah. as far as possible with some leeway right 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 okay. okay professor mishra uh, how do you see the regional variations in india's population trends can you give us a small snapshot on how, how that trends are emerging well well i mean uh, uh, this very problematic that we are trying to address in terms of delimitation i must start with a caveat that this was also echoed when i was involved in the finance commission exercise of allocating weight on population okay. Okay. and that was also restricted to 1971 and uh, in the recent finance commission it was moved to 2011 census figures uh-huh. and uh, the problem that we confronted there are having a similarity with the problem that we confront here right. regional variation in population count 
is definitely showing a kind of a demographic divergence, you would say. Mm -hmm. Because in count of population, the southern states and northern states, even if you take the current state or the projected figures, actually the ratio seems to be that the growth in southern states will be much, much smaller in quantum than it is in the northern states. Mm-hmm. Till the period that we are we are hoping that we will have the delimitation. Mm-hmm. But my word of caution should be that even today, the number of seats that we have, we are still violating one vote, one man, one vote and one value. Mm-hmm. Because it is not giving one man, one vote, one value, even in the current situation. That's right. So as uh, as uh, Mr. Rawat was rightly telling, that parliament has this leeway to say, nowhere seats can come down or a certain countable number of seats which will increase will not be in proportion exactly with the population. Those leeway being there, what is, uh, you know, currently people are assuming is that the number of seats, if in overall increased, Mm -hmm. the increased proportion and the ratio balance between the parliamentary representation seats from the northern states and southern states might widen. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the population count, what I was considering is that this whole population proportionality assumption, Mm -hmm. should parliament engage with a certain normative proportionality to which a deviation can always be taken. Mm-hmm. But till date, because we are going to do delimitation, can we have a fixed proportionality in the first place and then take a deviation with the rationale that actually Mr. Rabat described just now? So I would say that uh, in population terms, um, you know, the figures that come is actually something like uh, the quantum increase will be definitely larger even by 2036 in northern states and if we keep the proportionality constant then the gains will become definitely unequal uh, even if the, i agree with uh, mishra was saying that uh, they do not allow any state to be represented with a lesser number from the existing one right so you have already touched upon a, an adjacent issue here which is that yeah. uh, areas of economic growth which are also, broadly speaking, areas of population decline or, or stability. Yeah. Right. So are we looking at a scenario where the, the divergence are of two on two fronts? One on the political front, uh, political power will shift from yeah. regions that are economically more powerful and that will create a, a significant new imbalance, a set of imbalances, mm-hmm. while we are trying to deal with this current imbalance of not having a one person, one vote, one value. Uh, yeah. That is the biggest imbalance that we currently live with. So while we're trying yeah. to correct that thing, will we sort of uh, uh, sort of stumble into a, a new set of imbalances that, 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 that are staring at us? No, I just add to what I told is that actually, if we think of a solution to this particular disproportionate feature that we are observing today, mm-hmm. it is uh, one needs to look at uh, representation per se. And in representation, if entire calculus goes about count alone, mm-hmm. 
then perhaps we'll never be reaching a solution to this problem because counts are definitely going to be different and there is a judgment applied to what count of proportionality should be maintained. That's why I raised this concern. There should be a definitely a minimum of a normative of the count. Also, I'm allowing that deviation should be allowed. Uh -huh. Having said that, uh -huh. I would say when it comes to the concern of representation, it is not the count. It is the characteristics representation which is important. Uh -huh. Because the population composition characteristics uh -huh. of the numbers that are larger and the numbers that are smaller are very different. Can we be in this process missing uh -huh. the voices of the marginal? Can we be in this process missing the voices of those whose counts are smaller in characteristics? For instance, it is tribals. For instance, it is elderly. For instance, there is a certain group in your count which will be counting for 1.3%, for instance. Then when you go for value, definitely there is a voice of the marginal which gets missed out. So in fact, making some drawing some parallel to relate that how does a standard proportionality norm be negotiated with the characteristics composition mm -hmm. in a manner that we do not miss out on the marginal, marginal voice when it comes to representation? in terms of allocation of seats. And one question is that representation word is not merely by per capita representation. Mm -hmm. It is basically a representation which involves a greater accommodation of diverse characteristics. And given India's diversity and on unusual concentration of certain groups in population, this is very important to take note of. Right. So we, we that is why uh, we have a whole set of... Uh, group rights that are uh, written into uh, the, the our organizing principles, including the constitution. So, but when our starting point, the normative principle, I think the starting point, this is question to both of you, delimitation to be applied as uh, universally across the country, we divide the population by the number of Lok Sabha seats. That should be yeah. the median population, median number of voters in an average constituency. And based on that, then we give accommodation based on all the considerations that you just mentioned, including ensuring that uh, uh, the marginalized are not uh, excluded, the people who might need special protection, etc. Am I right? Is that a framework that we are looking at for, for a reasonable settlement of? That's how it exists. Uh, that is that's how the new delimitation should also emerge. Is that? I, I think I, I think what you told median is basically what I described as normative. Basically, right. what you are saying in an right. aggregate, you can create a normative, right. and to that normative, you can take deviations in terms of representing. Is that right? That's yes. what you are saying. Right. So, right. so according to me, I was wondering whether. Are we even aware that actually when we talk of a value of a vote, because at certain point in time, I was trying to even do some computation in relation to value of vote in indirect voting, mm -hmm. for instance, presidential and vice presidential election. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. The number, the value of the vote that actually goes and the valuation that we have in place. Mm -hmm. I had done some exercise where actually there was a lot of discrepancy in terms of uh, 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 what we give as a value to a MLA. Mm -hmm. vote uh, mm -hmm. when when it is it is it is seen in pan indian situation okay mm -hmm. so why i brought this in is because you are right that we can fix a normative that mm -hmm. is median mm -hmm. 
what you just now mentioned mm-hmm. and then what kind of adjustment you will make and what kind of accountability of the marginalized or accountability of the representation that parliament will consider becomes very important to address this concern that it is not a completely open discrepancy which is there mm-hmm. yes sir yeah, yeah. mr rawat uh, so you mentioned uh, how uh, india accommodates for example you, you you cited the example of lakshadweep for example so can you elaborate a little bit more on uh, the principle of that we are not only basing the distribution of representation on headcount as professor mishra was alluding to there are systems already in place where headcount is not the sole criterion for deciding representation actually uh, going by the book Mm-hmm. Uh, the the spirit is uh, about the headcount only mm-hmm. only making specific arrangements mm-hmm. to make representation mm-hmm. of those areas those groups like uh, professor mishra said marginalized groups uh, visible so mm-hmm. special arrangements could be made for them mm-hmm. and another thing in these arrangements would be the political uh, discourse because uh, this kind of uh, complicated matter will not be decided by experts and professionals it will be decided by the politics the uh, parliament right so they will they will have bargaining uh, negotiation and all kinds of things to uh, come up with some formula which satisfied all and which uh, ensures that this exercise which is due after say 10 years uh, will be carried out however uh, by and large and uh, on the face of it they will never uh, try to bring in the colonial concept of a different you know categories of voters and mm-hmm. many people can be left out as voters right right so do you think uh, the 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 existing way of thinking uh, including the special accommodation that we have will be wide enough to accommodate the this concern that is emerging which is the north versus south in terms of diverging population trends and the, consequently the fear that north will overwhelm proportionately the southern states regardless of the uh, reconfiguration of the parliament even if the number of seats uh, assumed uh, remain the same proportionately that reduction in political power is more or less a foregone conclusion unless you think of new ways of accommodation so the point therefore was do you think the the it, it is something imaginable from your experience that okay now this could be a challenge therefore let us look at new ways of accommodating group populations that have managed to stabilize their population vis-a-vis their representation in national politics actually i feel mm-hmm. that we are uh, being very very you know blinkered uh, in approaching this whole issue mm-hmm. whereas parliament and uh, political process mm-hmm. will see it in totality Mm-hmm. uh no getting out of the probe mm-hmm. uh getting a workable solution mm-hmm. which is acceptable to all and there is no north south 
uh, issue lingering in anybody's mind, mm-hmm. there may be many things because what happens if some areas get more number of seats in parliament? Mm-hmm. Your fear is that they may get more resources, they may get uh, more buzz, all mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. So those are the important issues brought from the margin at the central stage mm-hmm. to negotiate and to drive their way to a acceptable solution which is politically acceptable to all. I think that they, they, they will be mature enough to do it. And uh, I personally feel because I have been conducting elections and I found mm-hmm. that uh, whether it is south or north, mm-hmm. our voter has become very mature mm-hmm. and uh, displays you know, in the same polling booth, mm-hmm. having two voting machines, mm-hmm. through one voting machine gives a different mandate to the state party and mm-hmm. on the other voting machine gives a very different mandate to the central uh, government legislature. Mm-hmm. So we should have faith in these people and I think they will definitely come out of it when the uh, issue comes up. That's a very interesting point. So you are saying that our concerns are at the moment overblown. And end of the day, this is more than a technical debate. It is about a political negotiation and uh, showing maturity, which you are very confident that will emerge. Uh, in, in, yeah, in, true, yeah, true, true, true. Right, right. All right, Professor Mishra, uh, so yeah. we, we, we keeping this part of the, the discussion slightly uh, aside for, for, for a moment, how do you see the... The, the another population trend, which is about migration patterns. How, where do you see people are uh, moving to and where are they moving from? And what are the broad trends that could actually be uh, leading? I mean, we, since this discussion is mostly about political consequences, how do you how do you see this population movement? For example, just to set the context, now a, a decade ago or so, uh, in Mumbai or Delhi, the 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 People, the, uh, people from UP or Bihar was only a marginal constituency. But as of today, as we can see, uh, they are a significant political constituency in India's two metropolises, which is Mumbai and Delhi. So how do you see the movement of uh, of uh, population? Can, can you give us a sense of uh, that? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I think that... Um, in the 2021 census, unfortunately, has given us the numbers, uh, but our predictions and the patterns, trends that we examine otherwise in the absence of a census does indicate that this last decade plus two to three years have um, increased mobility. Mm-hmm. And increased mobility, that means the new concentration of migrants count in all these regions that you just stated. And particularly, there are two to three very distinct kind of flows of migration that is happening. One is from the east to the south, mm-hmm. and another is basically from the north to the west, which mm-hmm. you just now told. Mm-hmm. So these uh, these flows have multiplied uh, many times more as it has been becoming visible as in terms of the pressure in the urban areas and cities. And the same way you have, they are replacing the workforce compensation they are making in those southern states from the east which is which is practically uh, you know catering to the service sector in a great way so having this scenario at hand i would say in political terms migrants agency is going to play a very significant role in terms of the political outcomes mm-hmm. therefore uh, 
I think the voting right and everything, if it is ensured in terms of the migrants being eligible to vote uh, and uh, uh, to at, at the place of destination where they are, and these entitlement is ensured to a cent percent level, I would say that migrants entity itself will form a political agency. And it will be of interest for the candidates to even raise issues and concerns of migrants, which mm -hmm. is happening in Kerala. Right. Great yes, 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 yes. So, uh, so I think that is that trend is going to assume significance in most of the southern states, where actually migrants will have a stake in terms of determining the political power mm -hmm. to a large extent. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, but I would say that in fact, uh, is that going to anyway? Uh, people always always connect this with your with your nativity. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. but basically. What you see in political outcome trends is the nativity, nativity preferences of a, of a political option does not hold true because migrants are more uh, uh, favoring in terms of what they get, their entitlements, and are their entitlements in the main agenda of the, of the place where they are. So obviously the voting pattern or the election outcomes could actually turn around because of the because of the migrant presence. In fact, if we can ensure a hundred percent voting right of migrants at the place of destination, right. So, Mr. Rawat, uh, the discussion on uh, providing or ensuring voting rights of migrants uh, is also quite live right now. There have been there has been a proposal to allow migrants to vote at their places of origin or destination, as as Professor Mishra just raised. So what could be the uh, broader points, both in administrative and legal uh, perspective that you might want to reflect upon this question? Election law permits both. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, anybody who migrates to a new place and mm -hmm. uh, is an res ordinary resident there for more than six months mm -hmm. can register as a voter there and vote there. Mm -hmm. uh, all those who do not want to vote mm -hmm. they, and they want to continue at their uh, parental home, mm -hmm. uh, even they can do. And for this, uh, Honorable Supreme Court and Election Commission both are trying to find ways to uh, get their vote recorded wherever they are working. Mm -hmm. It will include all the temporary workers mm -hmm. uh, who migrate only for harvesting purposes mm -hmm. for just three, four months. And it can include even those who migrate for longer durations. Mm -hmm. So even that process is on for quite some time now. And mm -hmm. some remote voting machine, etc. were uh, demonstrated to the political parties recently by the election commission. Mm -hmm. So all these efforts are on. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, there won't be any issue after some time mm -hmm. when this delimitation exercise is taken up mm -hmm. that uh, all voters, whether they migrate, whether they move, whether they settle somewhere else, they will be able to vote according to their choice. So perhaps since we have to conclude in the next two minutes, a very, uh, a very quick question again to you, Mr. Rawat. So there is also a proposal or a demand rather for uh, uh, allowing Indian citizens who are living abroad to, to, to be able to vote. Even that issue is uh, on the agenda of the election commission. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, in the Supreme Court, uh, there was this... Uh, issue that uh, NRIs are very rich and uh, these uh, migrant poor migrant workers of uh, the country, they are not being considered. So both are being considered and I think it will work because uh, linking Aadhaar 
with the voter id has been allowed uh, after the amendment of the law and therefore biometric identification anywhere in the world will be possible mm-hmm. and whatever voting arrangement selection commission decides mm-hmm. can be made even for that section of uh, the migrants okay i will let you have the last word uh, professor mishra uh, as mr rawat alluded to technology technology solutions have been proposed to deal with a whole lot of uh, migrant related issues including their uh, yeah. uh, food security to their voting rights do you is that something that uh, uh, inspires you gives you confidence is that the right way to proceed i think technology is a solution and i would definitely subscribe to this viewpoint that when we have this oci card and citizenships are given entitlement then obviously this uh, international uh, settled people can also vote and um, we have uh, technology already playing a role in terms of uh, voting from defense forces voting from other places which they are voting so obviously uh, uh, we should look forward to uh, a better better circumstance where technology serves uh, more positively in terms of this exercise right uh, that is so fascinating but and that's all uh, i'll, that I'll just have... like to add i'll just like to add one line mm-hmm. that election commission takes care of all the stakeholders faith and confidence in the system and therefore there would be no issue on any technology which is deployed by the election commission right yes. on that note uh, that thank you so much mr rawat uh, professor mishra that was a fascinating discussion we will continue uh, this conversation in different formats in the coming days thank you both of you very much thank you mr varghese thank you